I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. Equals MC. That all men are created about the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Welcome to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Jeff Spinard. I'm your co-host, Ryan Treasure. And we have a very special guest today. This gentleman is the author of the newly released book, Individual Advantages, Find the Eye in Team. He holds a PhD in organizational psychology, a master's degree in management information systems, a bachelor's degree in accounting, and is a certified Six Sigma Master Black Belt Consultant. Brian has been helping business owners and managers since 1988. His company, IA Business Advisors, uh, has helped over 18,000 clients since 1996. His client base has always varied, ranging from large companies like Boeing Aircraft and Harris Entertainment to small local businesses. When the Great Recession hit in 2008, IA worked with businesses in trouble due to the economic decline who struggled to afford consulting services. Recognizing this, Dr. Smith offered on-demand virtual consulting services in which businesses hindered by a strained economic environment and a restricted budget could consult with their company on an unlimited basis for a low fixed monthly fee. Today, Brian's team at IA continues to provide both virtual and on-site consulting services to more than 1,300 active clients worldwide. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Dr. Brian Smith. Brian, how are you today, my friend? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, great resume you have here, uh, quite the healthy background. You've been doing it for many years now. Listen, finding your frequency is all about the journey. It's the how, it's the why. Um, give us a little background on Dr. Brian Smith and how this all started for you. Well, it started, uh, quite frankly, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an accountant and uh, after getting my accounting degree, I learned I really didn't like public accounting, but I liked really kind of the science of accounting when it applied to business. So uh, I actually quit a large, uh, big six accounting firm and took my first gig um, back in the late 80s, developing and installing a computerized accounting system uh, for a small company, actually in Phoenix. Oh, and okay. From that grew my first company, Business Accounting Solutions, where we installed computerized accounting systems for small businesses. And it was during that time, it was early in the PC uh, personal computer area that I kind of refined uh, my skills 
understanding small business, understanding business and accounting, and also how operations affected that. I sold that company uh, in the early uh, or mid-1990s and went to work for a public company for about 18 months where I really honed my skills with mergers and acquisitions and large company uh, work. And then uh, that company was sold and IA became a think tank and we just started installing computerized accounting systems, solving the mergers and acquisition issues when you take organizations, slam them together. And we grew from there to where we are today, which is, as you've read, 1,300 uh, active clients. But our uh, virtual uh, program, we've actually helped 18,000. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's great. That's truly amazing. Those numbers are significant and substantial. Are all those 1,300 clients, are they... Uh are they folks that you're doing consulting services with, or are you doing, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different think tank consulting, M and a, all that kind of stuff. It's really a wide range. We have a group here in our Chicago office. That's really general consultants. We do a lot of operational consulting, uh, which is strategic in, in foundation. We do a lot of C level CFO, COO services, but then we have a whole marketing strategy, uh, department that is based here and also in Oregon. And that team actually helps companies develop and design marketing solutions and marketing strategy from digital to print to on-site, uh, you know, encompassing the whole of marketing and bringing a company to market wherever their influence is. And then we do quite a bit of merger slash acquisition work, helping people transition and that's done all over the world. We've got clients, active clients right now in Asia, Europe, uh, South America, and also across all of North America. Excellent. Excellent. Wow. And Brian, do you have a set specialty with all of those uh, pieces or you kind of a guy that can do it all? Well, I... I I'd like to say that I can do it all, but <laughs> I truly The Renaissance do man of consulting. <laughs> Um, as the leader of the company, I give guidance to all of our operating units. But go. what my specialty is, is actually organizational development. And that really gets me involved in the M&A market, especially any time that a company is doing a merger or an acquisition or any kind of transitional change that affects any of their human resources from the sea level all the way down to uh, the the factory floor out into the field. Sure. That's where my specialty is, is team development and helping to understand how humans interact with technology and processes and to keep that balance within either one individual company or when you're taking multiple companies, I don't care if it's two or more and bringing them together where you might have conflicting personalities, conflicting right. business processes, just conflicting markets and helping to understand that and to smooth that out. So if you have your PhD in organizational psychology, so that is uh, basically means that you help people keep their brains organized. That's a good way of putting it. It keep their, their uh, day to day interactions within their organizations uh, organized, how people interface with each other. Uh, it can be, within a department, within a division, within a whole company, 
uh, with vendors, with customers. Organizational development can mean so many things, but sure. each of them involves human interaction that in today's day and age uses technology as a tool and information as a way to have influence to get business. So has Amazon called you yet? Because uh, I think there's some of those things that they still need some help with. <laughs> no, no. But I, I, I interface with Amazon like everybody else as a consumer. Sure. sure. Yeah, so you know they need a little help with uh, their organizational component. <laughs> <laughs> so what is a Six Sigma Master Black Belt Consultant? So Six Sigma is an... Uh, for lack of a better word, is a efficiency program that was developed quite a long time ago. Uh, it was brought to the United States originally. One of the leaders was Motorola, who wanted to reach Six Sigma, which a Six Sigma in the efficiency world is one error in six million transactions. Ooh, okay. And understanding how to apply uh, statistical math and analysis and and the use of analytical tools and analytical information to define efficiency and to help solve operational problems, um, math problems, uh, marketing problems, finance management problems, all different kinds of problems. We apply those consulting techniques to business issues to try to give better ways of doing business so that organizations are efficient. Do you, do you think uh, uh, Bitcoin transactions have a Six Sigma rating? They, I don't know if they have a Six Sigma rating or not. I haven't really thought about it, but. <laughs> yeah, because I know that that blockchain technology for cryptocurrency is, uh, you know, the the value of the cryptocurrency is based upon how efficient, how efficient, you know, you can compute the transactions that are happening inside the ledger. So when you're talking about efficiency, I, for whatever reason, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, I wonder if the, the coin, the coin crypto stuff is all that efficient. A lot of that. Funny enough, just to bring that, since you've gone down that rabbit hole, they're run by the Bitcoin miners, and you know they've become more and more complex, faster and faster processing. Uh, we actually had a Bitcoin mining operation, and those computers work so hard that they would literally increase the temperature of our 25,000 square foot building by oh. eight degrees through the whole building, and they only took up about 800 square feet. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. I know that a lot of those ant mining machines are, you know, graphics processors and those things are, you know, multi cores and they get pretty hot. Definitely. I could see that happening. Are they making money for you though? You're right. That's the question. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we turned them off. Oh, really? It costs more to run them to on run electricity them. than they were making for yep. us. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, that seems to be an efficiency problem that yeah. uh, that they have yet to solve on that portion. I guess it's too as the as the market kind of fluctuates, goes up and down. It's not really an advantageous adventure unless you're you know the market's up. So then when you are churning out a, a an a, I don't know a seventeen trillionth fraction of a bitcoin on the transaction or whatever it is, you know that you actually make something. And you know why I'm interested in that because. I invested in some Bitcoin my, uh, mining equipment and just kind of, you know, let it sit. I, you know, I threw several thousand into it and uh, just let that mining equipment keep going, reinvest back in. Uh, and honestly, I haven't looked at it in about eight months. 
Yeah, your your mining operations kind of cool. They were really smart about how they built it. They literally built it um, on top of a geothermal volcano, so the electricity is coming for free basically after they've tapped into geothermal, and uh, it's housed in Greenland, um, which is really really cold, so they don't really have to worry about the heating and stuff. So I'm I'm, I'm interested to see how that's doing for you too. Yeah, I'm not that's really cool. So, yeah, as we uh, uh, back up out of the Bitcoin rabbit hole and kind of move back into, you know, talking about business consulting and some of these things that you're doing, um, I think earlier you were talking about how uh, you guys had the publicly traded company and then that kind of morphed into your think tank, which is now um, the IA business advisors. What what was that uh, transition like for you going from, you know, like a public entity to now, you know, you running this uh, as a private organization? Well, working for that public entity, that was uh, um, 3D Geophysical, which was an oil exploration company, and they had actually been a client. I had designed their worldwide ERP system as a consultant, and when I sold my company in 1995 to Cornerstone Consulting Group, they asked me to come on board, and so I did, and they were in the middle of a, a IPO with on the NASDAQ. And I was involved in that expansion. So developing my skills, I was thrown into the roadshow environment for IPOs. And the difference is it was fast and furious. The whole idea behind IPOs is raise capital, raise capital, buy as many companies as you can as quickly as you can. The difference for me was that it taught me under duress the issues that came up during mergers and acquisitions, which is why IA came to be what it is. I understood under that duress, watching the people in the companies that we were buying all over the world, from the Middle East to Europe, to all over North America and South America, that the problems we faced in those acquisitions were all the same. Right. And we were trying to grab up all these small companies and small being relative 10 15 million dollar companies and absorb them into this multi-hundred million dollar organization and do so under the do as i say not as i do uh type of scenario whereas you're going to be like us and that's just the way it's going to be and we would literally lose people we had high turnover we had problems integrating these organizations into the greater organization And it was during that time that I noticed the inefficiency that was happening in public M&A and how thoughtless we were being about the acquisition of companies and the human assets that are part of those companies. So the difference is, is we've slowed ourselves down at IA and help our clients to do the same thing, to take a more mindful approach towards an acquisition and really think about what we're acquiring, how we're acquiring it, and how it's going to be stitched into or made part of the new overall organization. Ah, wow, that's interesting. How you're, uh, I, I like that you're, I like that you're keeping front of mind the human capital component of that because I think um, in the M and A world, as you know, those those you know, publicly traded companies are growing and you know capitalizing on those other smaller companies, like you said, and you know taking the five ten million dollar ones and putting them under the other umbrella. I think a lot of times, you know, all the people and the the human capital that's involved in those M and A's gets forgotten about, and you know you end up with a, a lot of people who sometimes lose their jobs and during those acquisitions and uh, 
is that something that you guys are, you know, uh, specifically targeting as part of the things you do at IA to make sure you keep those human capital components as, as top of mind or? Uh, human capital is always top of mind <laughs> as the book that we just came out with, Find the I in Team. I has so much more meaning to individual advantages. It's the name of the book uh, is actually named after our company. And it's because we think the individual is what's important, but our definition of individual is very different. Um, individual can be you and I by ourselves, but as soon as you and I uh, work together, the two of you have an individual show. And that show has a lot of influence and can help a lot of people. That's where the de definition of individual and the advantages that we create when we work alone and we work together in teams can really be understood. So the highest thing of mind for IA in helping our clients is the value of their human assets and how those assets can help the company continue to grow not just individually, but when they work together. So we develop solutions for them that capitalize on the individuality of each person that works for them. And then also how collectively they can keep reaching goals and keep moving forward and growing as an overall organization. That's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So is there a sweet spot that you look for or type of uh, client base that you like working with more than others or what do you look for in a client? I think I don't really look for clients. Uh, quite frankly, all of our business comes from referral. We have no active outbound or outward facing marketing that we've done in the last 15 years. We do do social management. Um, but anyhow, the uh, clients that we are really uh, touch with are older, mature, family-owned companies that are in transition, uh, older companies that might have partners where there's going to be different types of partners and they're built on the backs of their employees, but they've grown so much that there's a certain disconnect between where the company started and where it's ended up. And there's been this fracture or fissure between growth and where the people that the company was built on. And what happens when you have that kind of growth or that transition in small to medium-sized businesses is they start to hit a plateau or they hit the wall. And we really help them understand when that happened, how to fix it, how to project that forward so it doesn't happen again. And they continue on the growth path that got them to where they are before the, bro the, the broken thing happened, whatever that is. And it changes for every company that we're faced with. Well, yeah, that's interesting take on on, you know, those those kind of silos that you guys are, are, are working with. I want to I want to take a sharp left hand turn here. Um, earlier, you were you were talking about uh, accounting and that was kind of your your entry into, you know, what you do. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to ask a kind of a two pronged question that uh, ties in accounting and uh, and consulting and kind of professional services as a whole, which is some stuff that I've been hearing as of late. Um, you hear a lot of people that are CPAs, uh, people that are lawyers, uh, you know, in professional services firms, you know, kind of shifting from billing by the hour to um, like a value based pricing system. Um, is that something that you guys consult on with those professional services? And how do you feel about value based pricing in the professional services world? 
Well, so I don't like value-based pricing. I'm a firm believer in uh, hours work for an hour's pay. I have a very uh, uh, strong feeling that you define your revenue model in professional services based on the effort that you put in and you bill a fair amount per hour for that. However, I also understand the challenges that that's faced or that, that they face in that world. There's a lot more demand from the consumer to feel like they're getting more value. There are a lot of consumers that don't, don't like to be billed by the hour. They feel like they're being nickel and dimed when they see a bill that shows, you know, a few minutes here, or 20 minutes there. Uh, the problem is, is that value can tend to lean more towards uh, the provider than the consumer in these flat fee based programs. And I'm sure that works really well for a lot of organizations, but over time, I have watched some of our clients who have insisted that we help them develop that model fail. And they fail because clients begin to realize that they, uh, they're not getting what they paid for. In other words, they're paying more now for what right. they're getting. And the quality in the, in the consumer's mind has decidedly gone down. And that's their decision that they feel. It's not necessarily always the truth, it's just perception. Yeah, what they I, were getting for maybe 45 minutes of work is now rounded up to an hour. And over time, that can cost a lot more money. And the consumer is becoming much more sensitive right. to the value of transactions. And by transactions, that can mean taxes, uh, consulting services, uh, developing some kind of a policy or procedure, um, legal services. Right. So. I see a shift away from that again. Yeah, and I and and that's why I, I like to ask that question of you know folks like you who kind of work in that realm. You know, we've we've done a, a number of programs and have some shows and some hosts, and you know, there's always a debate. You know, on you know subscription versus value based pricing versus hourly billing. Uh, you know, and kind of always looking at you know what is the world willing to accept and what is the customer's definition of value, uh, right? Because that helps to you know drive home the point of how your billing is done and all that kind of stuff. So uh, thanks for shedding some light on that. Cause one of the things I notice about a lot of these value-based pricing, uh, I just, I guess I'll call them a shop. Uh, the value value pricing shops is the first thing that they do when they, when they transition to value-based pricing is, um, to call all of their customers and tell them they're charging them, you know, exponentially more for the same thing that they're getting, which then uh, reduces their total number of customers and gets them back to the same exact revenue that they were at before they raised their prices. <laughs> That's very common. And our advice to clients, my knee jerk response to a client, a professional services client that asks me for that is stick to hourly and move to a not greater than model. If your client or you feel like you want to have a, a solid number, go to a not greater than model. It gives you some wiggle room. It holds you accountable to the time you're putting into it, which the customers and the clients feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But it gives you an opportunity if you get out of scope or some of the things that can happen that drive prices up, 
right. to protect you at the same time. Yeah, and you know, when, when we're working on development projects, that's exactly the approach that we take in, in scoping those development projects because a lot of those are, you know, time and material-based billing projects. You have a, you know, a coder or a person who's working by the hour, uh, and then you, you're scoping a project for X amount of hours. But you know what happens. You get halfway through a project and someone, you know, someone, someone goes, oh, hey, well, what if this that we're building did this? And then you have scope creep, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then, right. then you start getting into that. But yeah, no, and I think you're right. The the greater than works great because it's like, hey, look, the project is, you know, a $20,000 hourly billable project. We know stuff happens. And uh, knowing that both uh, the, the, the customer and the service provider will sign off on a, you know, this project will get completed not greater than $24,000 or whatever that case may be. So you do have that wiggle room. So I definitely agree. And, and I like that model for sure. Uh, what what kind of advice would you give you know somebody who's who's just getting started in business uh, you know as a consultant uh, you know there's a lot of folks who do stuff similar to you and I, I see a lot of people that are getting into business consulting. Do you have any advice for the newbie? Sure. One is uh, be patient. Slow down and be patient. Um, you cannot break into this market quickly. You can grab market share quickly by playing with your price or making promises that you think you're going to be able to uh, adhere to. But the reality is, is that the business that we're in requires patience and requires time, requires understanding. If you think it's gonna take an hour to understand a client's problem and you're new to that client or new to the industry, it's probably gonna take you two or three hours. And they should get your book. They should get our book. Um, and part of the book is the first book. It's the first of three in the I and team series. And the first one is understanding yourself, understanding what your limits are, understanding what the mistakes you're going to make. I outlined some of the mistakes I made early in my career, uh, walking away from money, uh, underestimating time, that. underestimating competition or underestimating projects. And a lot of those things are in the book stories about uh, not being able to focus and losing focus on what's really important and then getting caught or bit by those mistakes. And, and where can people get the, uh, the series? Well, the first book, the, the I, uh, Find the Eye and Teams, out now at Amazon or at Barnes & Noble. You can also go to our uh, website, which is findtheeyeandteam.com and buy it direct. The second book will be out this summer. We're about halfway through writing it, and that is Be the I and Team. And it'll be available on the same uh, distribution, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Who's, do, major... who's doing your audiobook version? <laughs> We're, on the the We're on the same That's page. Funny. You know, uh, we haven't started the audiobook yet. We haven't had a lot of requests for it. A lot of electronic downloads, but not a lot of requests for an audio book. Yeah. Jeff and I had this debate, uh, not really a debate, but we uh, had another author on a couple of weeks ago and he's like, Hey, let me give you guys a promo code for the book. And Jeff's like, great. I love a paperback. And I'm like, yes, I love the digital. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's funny. Half our sales are paperback and half our sales are digital. Well, so, um, you know, if you're going to send us some books, we'll have to have a one promo code for me for the digital and then uh, one paperback signed by you for Jeff. Yes. We've got to we've got to get you in the uh, I like the in the library. Jeff Jeff uh, keeps a a, a bookshelf in his office with uh, books that are all signed by authors and speakers that we've either worked with uh, doing radio shows, producing shows or uh, folks like yourself who we've done interviews with. So we definitely want to add you to the shelf. Well, good. Thank you. Absolutely, for sure. So, Brian, now what's next? What's what's down? What's coming down the road for uh, Dr. Brian Smith? Well, I'm speaking next week at RIFMA, which is the Restaurant Facility Maintenance Association. Uh, RIFMA. We own 42 companies. We have a private equity firm that I started in 2012. Little hard money lending. Say that again. Little hard money lending. Well, I buy companies. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So uh, I work with those. We're doing strategic planning uh, reviews from uh, end of last year to this year. I'm doing some speaking overseas. I start my European trips in May. And then I write every day. Uh, we have a very active newsletter and, and social program. Mm-hmm. I work uh, with a team of five people in my company, and we're constantly yeah. trying to educate. Yeah, just, that's really my shift. The companies that we own, including IA, are kind of self-managed right now. I have about four or five direct clients that I deal with personally. Yeah. And then I spend almost 90% of my time in an education frame of mind, either writing the new book, writing blogs or writing articles or developing content for some of the ways that we teach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. You're do, a well-oiled do, machine. Do people tell you that you're kind of awesome? <laughs> well, I don't. They tell us that they appreciate what we do for them. So yes, I guess that's a good <laughs> yeah. I'll take pleasure. Yeah, I'm awesome. one of those guys that's just like thirsty for all types and sorts of knowledge yes, all the time, and you, are. you know, really love running across uh, you know really bright individuals like yourself talking about you know the, the trends and things in business and kind of how 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 things got to where they were. So Emerging yeah, we, we appreciate you sharing your story because sure. it's just it's it's really cool to hear. You know, I love talking business, so it's absolutely. Great. Absolutely. So where can people get more information if they want to check out the company? So if they go to our, the best place is our website. It's iabusinessadvisors.com. And advisors is with an O, -O A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S. That's the best place to learn about our company. Uh, The book, it's easy. Again, it's findtheinteam.com. And there's a whole site dedicated just to the book. Do you have your blogs and all that stuff that you write uh, uh, frequently also up on the IA uh, Business Advisor site? Is that where that is? The blogs are all there, yes. Awesome. And then there's, I'm going to go check those out. You know, our yeah. social pages. Uh, IA Business Advisors is on Facebook, and then we're also on Twitter. So is the book, uh, the I and Team series. So that's the name of the whole series is on Facebook and Twitter. Then we have a really good newsletter. It's very pertinent. It's all about business. It's about things that challenge business owners. Uh, we, we don't write about ourselves. We write about uh, takeaways, things that you can take away and apply to your business every month. 
great. We're going to have to tie into all of this, by the way. Yeah, no, it all sounds really good. I I think that there's some synergies across our business channel, too, with some Mm -hmm. of our other hosts that that, that do similar things. I think that we could link everybody up. It would be a nice business party. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Brian, you ever thought about doing a show? Um, Well, we're doing a podcast. I don't know if that counts. Um, It We've recorded eight of them now, and we're going to try to release it in the next two or three weeks. But other than that, I haven't thought about doing a show. Okay. You guys will have to interview Jeff about his book, Finding Your Frequency, How to Broadcast Yourself and Your Message on your podcast. That would be awesome because people don't know how to do that, including myself. I (laughs) lose my, uh, I guess you want to call it awesomeness, when it comes to self-promotion. I'm just not... That's why we don't advertise. We just kind of rest on our experience and the things that we've done for people and well, the right. referrals. We hey, well, that's why it not. seems like you have the referrals. Yeah, right. and I think this 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 kind of stuff happens for a reason. This is how this, this, this is, is why, why we're together. Yeah, this right is why now. your press release came across our our, yep. uh, our 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 desk here, so that we <laughs> we can actually sit you in the chair and have everything done around you. You know, the social, the PR, the marketing. You come to the mic with content and what you're good at, you know, what your your passion is. And, you know, when it comes to business and uh, everything you're working on, there's no doubt you're a passionate man about this stuff. That is true. Yes. So it's been very educational today. Brian, I absolutely want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, you've been a, a, a fantastic guest. Uh, Ryan? Why don't you uh, take us home? Yeah, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Finding Your Frequency right here on the voiceamerica.com variety channel. Big shout out uh, to Dr. Brian Smith for joining us today. Go to his website, iabusinessadvisors.com. And of course, find the iintteam.com. Check out the book. And of course, you can find Jeff and I all over social media. I'm at Radio Ryan One. Jeff's at Jeff Spinney Two. And of course, the uh, website, findingafrequency.net and facebook.com forward slash findingafrequency.net. You guys, we're going to be coming Coming back with another fantastic episode. So make sure you like, subscribe, follow, rate, all that good stuff. Share out to your friends. Let everybody know about Finding a Frequency. We'll bring you some more fantastic insight right here on Finding a Frequency. Stay tuned. (laughs) 